and welcome to System Mastery, the podcast where we beat a dead horse 1d6 damage at a time, until the horse rises from the seemingly dead and continues to stalk us from room to room with its signature horror weapon, uh, I, I don't know, horse sword? Horse naginata? Horse half-sized bronze statue of the same horse wielding a quarter-sized diamond statue of the horse's dead horse wife? Anyway... On today's episode, we're discussing Horror Rules, the simply horrible role-playing game on System Master. Hi everybody, welcome to System Mastery. It's me, your intrepid, daring, investigative journalist host, Jeff. I'm an investigative journalist. Yeah, you, only, you investigate journalists. I do, I only investigate journalists and only to see if they've been subversive. Huh. But that's what an investigative journalist actually is. Yeah. Look it up, there are no necessary credentials. Anyone can be one, just say you are. Just say it. Uh-huh. No one can stop you. No one can. Get a press pass. Get it. What's the worst that could happen? Uh-huh. You get in huge trouble and arrested or something? Ha! I'd like to see that. <laughs> anyway, that's John right there. Yeah. I'm here, I don't know. Plucky photographer. Plucky two-bit hayseed. I'm your plucky duck. You're my plucky duck. That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And uh, where does the toilet water go? Uh, I believe mm-hmm. you'll find it goes down to hole. Thank you. Okay. Well, good. I'm glad we have. Uh, you're, you're you're qualified. You may also find that when playing a miniature golf, that the blue ball will go down the hole. <laughs> That's the cutting edge. Tiny Toons references everyone comes here for. This is the only one I was able to pull out anyway, except for those couple of episodes. That one episode where they did all the they might be giants videos. Ah, that rules. I mean, the only real thing I can remember that's like a bit from that is that, and then of course the Buster Bunny, Babs Bunny, no relation. Yeah, that that's that's good as well. It's good that they specify that for all of the horrible, disgusting fic writers. I feel like so I, that they know that they're not related. I feel like I spent my teenage years watching whatever was the lead-in to Tiny Toons, and then letting it start just to see if it was going to be the They Might Be Giants one. And then changing the channel, because it never was They Might Be Giants. <laughs> I feel like after they did that episode once, most networks took it out of the rotation, because they are like, this is just three music videos. It is not hitting our target demo. Let's just remove it. No one knows what the Constantinople song is, and no kid in a million gives a shit. Uh, was it even... Th- I, don't, I don't think it was three They Might Be Giants songs. Wasn't it two They Might Be Giants songs and a song by someone else? I mean, I know they did a couple musical episodes. Did they? Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, the only ones I can remember are the uh, the Constantinople and the Particle Man, uh, but they must have done a third music video, and now I can't remember what it was. I couldn't tell you. Anyway, this has nothing to do with horror rules. Horror rules? Horror rules, the simply horrible role-playing game that we found on DriveThruRPG. That's right. And if you're wondering why we're not using our giant collection and we're using DriveThruRPG, it's because we had a deadline for, for a book thing huh. that really kind of put a dent in our reading time. Yeah. That'll happen every once in a while. Yeah, every every once and then. But, you know, in the same way that I found Heroic Visions, I found or Horror Rules. Yeah. <laughs> every once in a while, drive through RPG can also turn over a winner. Oh, like, yeah. Like it did with Glyph, for example. Or, oh, I've yeah. got, like, three more in the wish list for us that I'm like, ooh, if we need to go to the well, baby, I got some winners. <laughs> 
But before we get into any of that, let me ask you how you're doing. How, uh, how are you? I'm all right. Yeah? You're doing good? Uh, okay. You're doing good? Okay, that's good. All right. You seen that Spider-Man? You see that Spider-Man? Was that good? Huh? That, that Spider-Man? That Spider-Man? That Spider-Man across the verse? Yeah. You seen that? You ever seen Across the Universe with Spider-Man? You heard about this? Uh, Spider-Man does a lot of Beatles songs. Yeah, the whole thing's just Beatles covers, sung by Shamik Moore and Brian Tyree Henry. I would watch that. (laughs) You know. Put that out there in the universe. (laughs) That's the secret. Mahershala Ali. (laughs) Yeah, I was completely amazed when Spoiled Thing happened, and then later when there was a spoiler that also occurred. Yeah, it was weird that they took spoiler from the DC universe and put it in this. Yeah, yeah, from the spoiler universe, I think you mean, yeah. The spoiler verse. Mm -hmm, The spoiler, the character spoiler from the spoiler verse. Yeah, Mm -hmm. in in a drag race car. Big spoiler. Yeah, yeah. So, uh... Horror, simply horror rules, uh, is a fairly bare bones, relatively short game uh, that appears to be independently published. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know. What else do we want to say about it? Are we good? We all set? <laughs> we good? We done? Uh-huh. Uh, so this is a uh, early 2000s, like 2003 it, when it first came out. It feels like mid-90s. It, it reads like mid, early to mid-90s, and it, and it is from 2003 instead. I mean, this, for me, I feel like when you get to the sections on running the game, it ha- it starts to edge towards more modern sensibilities for certain ideas. Mm-hmm. But this... That's what I edge to as well. <laughs> Please, Eddie! <laughs> uh, Ooh, modern design. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh t- t- tell me about... Tell me about modern design a little bit more. I'm I'm so close. <laughs> oh God, I don't want to finish yet, but please, please tell me more about the X card, which is a completely inappropriate thing for me to be doing this regarding. <laughs> Unless everyone's into it, in which case it's perfectly acceptable. Uh, one of the things that I kept really thinking while reading through this book is that this isn't awful. It's a very simplistic rule system, and the game will occasionally approach the line of being like, oh, this is good. Yeah, You've got sure. some good ideas. And then we'll gleefully run away from that. <laughs> Just with absolute relish, be like, ha, 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 fuck you. <laughs> it's, it's like the writer keeps accidentally designing a modern game and then remembering that he actually wanted one of those games from that, like, John Wick would push out in the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh. If he was even designing in the 80s. I like to assume that he's always been there making two edgy for you role playing games. He's always been there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, it's it is a horror game. So you've got a little bit of that vibe going on where you want kind of scary things happening to the players and death should be free and easy. Uh, so that much is acceptable. You know, you, you can set up a game that's going to be a little too uh, player antagonistic. If it's horror, as long as you kind of have fun with making that the concept. Yeah, and this game does straight up go, look, you're going to have, like, probably two or three or more characters that should be just sort of sitting in the wings that you have. Yeah. Because it is assumed that people will die in this, and then you'll just come play someone else, and... My lord. Come play someone else, my lord. Mm-hmm. Come play a different game, my lord. <laughs> Ebony is bad. 
<laughs> I don't even know what it actually is. I always assumed it was just one of those match three puzzles because every else, every other lie for a video game is always just some fucking like bejeweled clone. No, it's the other thing that you get with those games, which is the little city builder thing. Oh yeah, okay. Those are the two you get. All right, that's fair. You're like, oh, I'd I gotta play create a field. Clones. And it cost me 30 minutes to create a field, but I can spend a jewel to speed that up. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. And then also you get to see, like, some cleavage heaving here, hither and none. None. Oh. Ebony is a total lie for that. Oh, it's shit. It's like, here, you've got knights, and you're making a little castle and a keep and whatever, and there's some fields over there, and you can send peasants. It's like, ooh, is there a, a busty lady? No, there is not. You know what? Fuck it. Let's develop the correct app, then. We're going to call it, I don't know, whatever Ebony is backwards, and we'll just say it's the it's the, the bosom-heaving game. And everything in it is just gently heaving bosoms in the wind. Why Nove? <laughs> Why Nove? Come play Why Nove, my lord. Click on the bosoms. <laughs> click these bosoms to get started. <laughs> you can click them for 30 minutes. Or you can insert a jewel to see a jewel between them. Uh, anyway, so the fact that the game does have that, like, you're going to be churning through characters, and so the... Some of the sections in this where it's like, yeah, you should be antagonistic to your players. Don't feel bad about murdering them. You know, try and mess with them. I'm like, okay, in a horror game where the expectation when you sit at the table is, look, I'm going to murder a bunch of your dudes and it's fine. We're going to, and it also very much talks about like, this is a one shot game. Uh You don't do a campaign in this. It has a couple rules for it, but they're like, you probably shouldn't. So those expectations make the whole antagonistic thing a little more palatable. But even then, there are still like, ah, but how do you deal with your players in this that are just like, come on, you don't need to do that. That's not only bad for the game, it's just annoying. Yeah, it doesn't really foster a good environment. This game has a lot of those kind of snap decision rules that are designed to kind of Basically, it, it gets too gleeful. We've talked a lot about games that do this in the past where they'll be like, oh, this will fix your player's little wagon. You're like, it, my player's wagons do not need fixing. Thank you. What if What if they don't? What if they're on board and we're all having a good time? Do I still need to do all this stuff where I'm like, ha ha, plot twist. One of you has to die. <laughs> um. Anyway, to uh, you start your game off by picking one of six possible uh, archetypes from which you will build a character. Yep. Uh, each of them has a power that they will have, and that's basically the only difference between the six of them. Yeah, you are supposed to get frowned upon if you pick the wrong skills, but you, there's nothing actually stopping you besides, I guess, like, frowns. I guess. There might be some frowns that like, hey, because it, it has one in there that's like, oh, did you make the the uh, propeller head, which is like a, like a, a technician or gearhead or nerd kind of archetype? Uh, but not too nerdy because there's the lab coat, which is for like more applied science nerds. Well, yeah, there's there's the scientist, which is the lab coat, and then there's the propeller head, which is more the like I'm a hacker. Yeah, but if it, the uh, advice is like if someone makes a hacker and they give them four gun and four steel and four brave, then like you should probably talk to them about how they did that wrong. <laughs> like, eh. uh, but but beyond that, yeah, the only thing that differentiates the six classes is the description. And then each one of them has a one-off superpower they can use once in their entire life. Yeah. Uh, maybe some of them can use it more than once. I nope. think Basically, just... everyone is like, all right, if you're the action hero archetype, then just once you can make it so that someone doesn't get hit and you move them 
out of an attack. You just go like, oh, someone's about to get hit by something. I do that, like, run and grab them and take them out of the way. Like, super save. You can do it once in the session. Cool. Everyone has, like, one thing. The uh, con who's like, ooh, you're you're a bad thief. You're an ex-con or uh, yeah. about to be a convict. And it's just, oh, you can leave at any point in time during the game. Yeah, just pop up later. You just don't die in a scenario that would have otherwise killed you. You just go, I'm leaving. Oh, yeah. If it's some scenario where it's like, oh, and you're completely surrounded by aliens, you're like, oh, I leave. I'm, I'm gone. gone. I'm gone. <laughs> I just put my hands up and do that Seinfeld leaving the theater thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're just like, yeah, ah, yeah, ah. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. And then again, the old dusty trail, if you show up again, you can't leave anymore. Yeah. You just get it once. (laughs) Everybody gets one. Uh, But the six classes are the average Joe, the action, which is like cops and firefighters and stuff like that. Yep. Uh, As we already mentioned, the lab coat, the propeller head, uh, and then I think the con, the con, and then the VIP. Yeah. And the VIP is just their special thing is you can get stuff. Yeah, theirs is kind of probably the hardest to use and the one that's going to be most rife to getting punished by the the, the GM. Because their deal is any one thing you want, you can just have it. But it takes a whole fucking day to get there. Yeah. So that's like, you know, you're like, oh, I'm playing as a VIP. I'll summon that battle wagon that we all needed. That's that's basically the GM's note. Kill this guy right now. He already did the thing. There's no reason for him to still be alive. The battle wagon will show up and he can be dead. Yeah. It's... It's not great as far as design goes, because all the rest of them are like, you can ignore one thing or do one helpful thing. Because yeah. like the regular Joe gets to ignore a grip check, which is basically a sanity check for this. You know, the lab coat can figure out a vulnerability for a bad guy. Like they all have a thing they can do once that's just sort of semi-useful for the campaign. And game changing the- in some way. Yeah. But it's like, oh, I got around one thing but the vip could just be like i get a helicopter and we leave <laughs> and you're yeah. like oh okay i mean that's uh, you can use it for things that are in the spirit of the game as well because it's literally anything you want a box of grenades you want anything at all but the problem is that one day require i would probably remove the one day requirement were i designing this because it's not that much more game breaking than anything else uh to, to be like yeah my character we really need a tank fine you have one but that's not going to stop you know jason Voorhees or whatever it's just going to knock him down <laughs> Um, I mean, the problem is, I guess you park on him. The, I mean, the big thing for me is I keep looking at it like that is a power that is begging for the GM to negate. Yes. Cause the is. other ones where you're just like, oh, I stopped one attack. I yeah. stopped one sanity check. You're like, cool. You did that. But with this being able to go like, oh, I outfit everyone with rocket launchers. At that point, the GM has to either go, all right, well, great. You wait a day. And then my, you know big gribbly monster shows up and you rocket launcher him to death. Yeah. Or I find a way to take your rocket launchers out or wait until you use all your rockets and then go, but there are actually two monsters. And it just, it begs for either ignoring or disabling. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you're going to ruin the game with it. And the, the players are encouraged to ruin the game with it. Cause they're like, Oh, I can only use this once and I can get anything? Mm. Fuck you. Yeah, exactly. It's not... It would probably do well from a rewrite. The rest of them are all pretty straightforward. The only one, other one I'm not a big fan of is the lab coats. Because mm-hmm. the lab coats is basically you can... If you have a chunk of the bad guy, you can immediately determine its weakness. 
But that's like what one of the skills in the game does. So all it really says is like, hey, you know that one skill in the game that is almost entirely aimed at lab coats anyway? Once per game, you don't have to use it. You just automatically succeed at it instead. And I'm like, that's, but you're already going to be good at it. That's the skill that your entire class is built towards. Yeah. And you're only ever going to need to do it maybe once because it's one shot games and you only, it only really works on the biggest bad of bad guys. The one who's going to have the secret weakness. So it's like saying, don't take the skill that defines your class. Just use your power to do it the one time it'll ever come up. Plus the, the find out a bad guy's weakness is one fully based on physical things. So if you're like, ah, we're fighting a ghost, you're like too bad. It has supernatural weaknesses. So if it, or like a vampire, even like, oh, you can't find out that they are weak to crosses and holy water from getting a chunk of vampire that doesn't work. But as well, like when you go into the back and look at the sample bad guys, a lot of them are just like, oh, this guy doesn't have a vulnerability or this thing has a vulnerability that's just uh, supernatural. And a couple of them are like, oh, I guess fire for this one. Yeah. Or ones that are too. Yeah. Like werewolf where you go. Oh boy, I found out that a werewolf is vulnerable to silver. It's a good thing I had this skill. <laughs> well, for that you have to you have to put yourself into the world of magical horror realism where no one has ever said the word zombie and they won't the entire time during the zombie movie. <laughs> or that people are like, it's some sort of horrible dog man. Not oh. like like, oh, you mean like werewolves? Like the mythological monster werewolves? Huh? So weak to to silver and wolf's bane? That that kind of thing. Those things. No, you mean like uh, like American Werewolf in London? You know, like that movie, like the and then it's terrible sequel. Those movies. Yeah, you remember that? Yeah, and they're like those movies don't exist in our time. <laughs> Lon Chaney was the vampire. Ah, Except, unless there's a vampire here too, and then and then Lon Chaney was just the Phantom. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was also a Phantom. He was the creature from the Black Lagoon. Well, bad news on that well, front. Hold on, I'm gonna have to stop you there. <laughs> <laughs> Fine, he was the goddamn mummy. No, Boris Karloff was the mummy. <laughs> you fucked up. <laughs> All right. All right. So uh, uh, you get four stats. They are bulk, brains, coordination, and will. Uh, the bulk just translates to a combination of raw physical strength and constitution. Mm-hmm. Coordination is all your dexterity stuff. Will is primarily your faith and resistance to uh, persuasion or... Uh, possession or intimidation. All the grip stuff, your sanity checks. Yep, there's a grip system, which is sanity in here. And then coordination is... Oh, I already said that. That's dexterity, and it's... it's, it's, Yeah, uh, brains, which is your intelligence. Which is intelligence, and pretty much just does one or two things. Yeah, brains is almost entirely there for the skills that use it. Yeah. Because none of the systems in this care about that stat. Yes. Uh, But your health will be based off of your bulk, your actions you can take per round is coordination so every point of coordination is another action you can take in a round stats go from one to five yeah and it makes it very difficult not to go oh well the correct choice is to put five into coordination get five attacks and then use a weapon that uses coordination and be like go fuck yourself i don't care yeah pretty much uh but the last one there is will. Will is uh, used to measure your grip check or your grip number, which is the because uh, grip is a point. It's like an HP system. Yeah, you have both a your like health and then your grip, but then grip is also like you have grip checks if anything scary happens. 
and the less scary it is, the more likely you are to not lose any points. And the more scary it is, the less likely you are to succeed at it, and also the more points you lose from it. Yeah. This is a classic version of the insanity system where I don't care for it. Nah. Um, it, it, first of all, it's got some really distasteful stuff in the what happens if you if you lose your grip check, <sighs> including straight up one of them that's just like suicide. You commit suicide as fast as you can. Yeah. That reading through, I was like, Jesus, what? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's not great. And then it also suffers from that other problem that I've always it's always kept me from wanting to play Call of Cthulhu and stuff, even though I know people handle it better in those kinds of games, which is a ton of advice. It's just like, hey, do anything you can to lower your player's grip. Have a cat cross their path and they got to make a grip check. Make a scary noise and they got to do a grip check. Is it windy? Grip check. And you're like, people have an average grip of six to nine. You don't need to do this. Yeah, it's it's you're just going to kill your players before anything interesting happens. And who gives a shit? And if you do that there's nothing I hate more in horror movies than nothing but empty jump scares. It's, it's also like, if you go, Oh, a cat jumps out. You're like, all right, I'm rolling. Cause the main mechanic in this is a D 10 yeah. roll under, under whatever your thing is mm -hmm. for a grip check. Depending on how scary something is like if a cat jumps out, you roll under three times your will stat. Mm -hmm. And if even if you fail, you only lose one grip. So having a cat jump out almost doesn't matter. But the second you're like, oh, uh, a monster shows up and it has a freak uh, grip check, that means you just roll straight will. So mm -hmm. you're probably rolling a three or less on a d10. Uh huh. And if you fail, you lose six grip. Which if you're like, oh, I have a two will. If a monster shows up and it's scary. Uh, I have a 20% chance of succeeding, which means I probably won't. And when I fail, I immediately go insane. Yeah. So Great. They, they didn't, they didn't. And then the idea that they're like, this game's boring unless you're constantly hitting them in the grip. You're like, it isn't. It, it would be, it, it's already got a super punishing monster system. You really don't need to add a bunch of empty jump scares, especially how easy it is to get one shot with grip in this. Oh yeah. And the fact that they're like, there's a lot of tables in this for what happens because you can go below zero grip because a zero to minus two is just like oh you kind of freak out a little including the you pee pee your pants you lose your bladder control immediately you you piss and pass out Ooh. Mm -hmm. which great this is another reason i don't like sanity checks it's really hard to write the results of, of failing them without coming off as either immature or deeply uh, uh unaware of, uh, or ineffective too but also just offensive to that's anybody. what i said yeah oh i think you said ineffective sorry no. uh the other problem being that this game has a one is an auto succeed and a 10 is an auto fail mm -hmm. but a 10 also is a critical fail there's no critical success really in no. this outside of a few damage rolls, but the critical fail is like, oh, a cat jumps out. All right, well, there's no way that that's going to matter. Oh, you rolled a 10? Well, you immediately destroy everything around you and go into a panic for 10 rounds because a cat went meow at you. Yeah. I'm like, no, man, don't fucking make this a rule in your game. Yeah. Uh, we already mentioned that there are skills. You get 12 points to invest in them. You can invest up to four in any particular skill. Uh, each one of them is connected to one of your stats. That's because you're going to add that rank value in your skill to your stat value, and then that's your roll under on a 10 to accomplish that effect. Yes. Uh, with some 
kind of helpful penalties and benefits applied therein that can tell you, like, you know, oh, it, the the big example for me that I want to talk about there was in the discover the science checks, mm-hmm. but I think it's just called research. But the only thing research actually does no, there's there's science and then also detection and then also technical. I, the one I'm looking for, I'm pretty sure, is science. Yeah, uh, it's the one that that you use to discover the weaknesses of monsters. Yeah, you could potentially use it for like, oh, you've got to science out how to make a chemical or something. But the only real mechanical thing that's in the game that it does is trying to figure out what the weakness of a monster that, that's chasing you is. It's weird because there's only two things it's good for because technical is, did you want to make a thing with science? Yeah. Well, that's technical. And then detection is figuring things out. Yeah. And then science is just figure out a power or a vulnerability of a bad guy or with the whole grip system, you're like, oh, you can use psychology on a guy and make him feel better. Yeah. And that's it. But the thing that bothered me was there's... The primary effect of it, as a result of all these limitations, is the the finding out monster weaknesses and powers thing. Yeah. And to do that, you need to either have uh, a chunk of the monster or the whole monster, and it's better if they're alive. But if they if they're if they're seemingly dead, that'll also still work. Uh, but the the penalties or benefits you can have are: Do you just have a chunk of the monster? You have a minus one. Do you have the monster but they're dead? You get a plus two. Monster but they're alive? You get a plus three. But there's no way to roll the skill straight for the for the effect. Yeah, because because you either you can't roll it at all if you don't have a chunk of the monster. Yeah, you need something because they're like, something. oh, you might get like if they have a venom spit power. In order to figure out that they have that, you need to get some of the venom that they have. And I'm like, if I've collected some of the venom, I can just assume that they have the ability to do that. Yeah, I don't need to like watch a monster snake spit venom at a guy and then go, huh, I wonder if he has the power to spit venom. I'll take this venom and do something with it. <laughs> but uh, I, I just found it confusing that you can either get a minus one or a plus two to use this for its basic effect, but there's no way to just roll it as is. Yeah. It's just weird. Um, anyway, there are about 12 skills and you have 12 points and you're supposed to put them up to get to reasonable rolls to get under. Uh, you also get two more uh, individual powers that can only be used once during this game with some caveats that we'll go into later. One of them is called uh, Second Thought Points. Yep. Uh, that one is, it's basically, we, we had this in a recent game we did, I forget which one, where there was an am I being stupid question you can ask your dm as one of the as the feats you can I take mean, there are a lot that use the sort of gurps common sense thing of yeah the gm if you have this can go are you sure you want to do that but instead of this being gm facing it's the player when they go to take an action can spend a second thought point and go hey is this a good idea because it could be like oh i'm gonna try and drown the monster and shove him into the ocean and then you can go Hey, is this a good idea? Is this monster actually like super cool with water and it gets superpowers? Is this like a gremlin situation? Is am I gonna fuck up? And you get to ask one question. And to the game's credit, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a credit point here. It says like, and the the GM will tell you. And, yeah. And there's nothing else because the number of times in this in this book and and not to mention this book as well, but also every other horror book I've ever read, it's always like, yeah, if you ask the GM a question, they'll tell you an answer. GM note. Lie. Lie to them. Never tell them the truth. Fuck with them. And here it's like, it's like, yeah, no, if if you use this point, you get the truth. Yeah. So that's that's nice. I'm giving it credit for it. Great. Um, but the, what was the other one? There's another one. That so there's luck the luck point, luck which is, is yeah. you can automatically succeed at something. Now, 
the second thought point you have to spend before you do an action to be like, hey, is this good or not? Yeah. The luck point you can spend after a roll has happened. So if you fuck up, you can be like, oh, I'll spend my luck and auto succeed. Yes. So that's nice. There is also stupid things points. Yeah, which are way later. They're not part of character creation, but they are something we might as well mention now. Uh, it's, I mean, it's the other points you have. Yes. Uh, the game has a, uh, a system of trying to get your players to play like the genre. So you get stupid things points if you're like, oh, do you go down into the basement with just a candle? Do you split off from your friends and go check out that creepy noise. If you act stupid like a horror movie character would act, you get a stupid thing point. Yeah. And you can spend three of them to get back a luck or a second thought point. Correct. And there are other things they can do as well based on a bunch of game modes that are presented towards the back of the book. We'll get we'll get to that. Um, the other the- thing this game has is a morality you have to pick what your morality is, just like you're doing, you know, some good old palladium yeah, or like an, whatever. It's like palladium in, on easy mode, because the moralities are just like saintly, good, n- neutral, selfish, sinful, and... and Selfish and sinful, because there's, oh, there's two good, one? two bad, and one okay. normal. I thought there was like a super evil one after sinful or something, but yeah. No. But yeah, um, and they are all just like, oh, if you're saintly, then you never do anything wrong. But they are much more like how to play this character in a movie type guidelines. Yeah, the I mean, the one thing it does is they're like, oh, if you're saintly or good, then it's like the GM is encouraged to have characters for some reason automatically be able to tell that and trust you more. Yeah. Whereas if you're selfish or sinful, apparently people can just tell you're an asshole without having ever met you and are like, I don't like you. The few game effects that these skill these abilities actually have are not only annoying, but also a little bit telling. They're part of the the grand hint aspect of this book when you're reading your way through it. Mm-hmm. That starts on page one when there's a, a section about why horror movies are the way they are that suddenly a- asks the metaphor of, for example, what would Christianity be without the teachings and sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, we should mention this is from Crucifixion Games. Yeah. I guess that's also kind of a hint, <laughs> but there's a, uh, there's some strong Christian undertones here. I mean, right there in the first page for special thanks to God in whom all things are possible. Yes. <laughs> but there's a, uh, in addition to choosing your moralities, the last thing you're doing during character creation is you get something called the point, which is a 1968 animated movie. Uh, that's very kind of hippy dippy and not worth talking about any further. Yeah. But now it can definitely Make or break your character. A real point break. <laughs> That's a much better movie to reference <laughs> than The Point. Uh, anyway, to get... I don't even know if it was 1968. I think that's right. Well, I don't know. Anyway, uh, you've never heard of it, have you? No. Yeah, of course. Why um, would I? No, no one else has. You're rambling for no reason. <laughs> um, the Point is like, oh, it's your, your uh, little bit of extra that you get to spend on your character. You can use it to bump one stat by one, uh, to bump your health and grip by two, or to purchase... And I feel like this is dumb because each one of these is a drawback associated with it. A special characteristic for your character? Yeah, there are special traits and all of them are you get a thing and it has an advantage and a disadvantage. And I'm like, and it's got some a disadvantage. Of them, well, some of them are like, oh, this is better than what I would get from the point. So it's fine. Like if you get bodybuilder, you get plus two to bulk, but you're always the first one attacked in a group. Yeah. So you're like, oh, I get 
because normally I would only be able to get plus one to my bulk with the point. Yeah. So this is giving me more than I would have gotten, but there's a drawback. Okay, I understand that. But some of them are just like, hey, you get plus two to medical rolls, but also there's a drawback. And I'm like, or I could just get plus two to medical rolls as my point and not have a drawback. Yeah, which I'm not a fan of this, largely because the special characteristics are good character traits, and they're a great way to build to what is already a fairly bare-bones character. And I'm like, why would I have to spend my special resource on something that makes my character more interesting? It should just be automatically everybody gets one of these. Oh, yeah. When I, I honestly, when I went to make my character for the bonus content at System Mastery at Patreon. And that's the place to find it for $2 a month. Uh, I went to the, the point and I, for some reason, had had it in my mind that you did get one of those things and then you could also get a special trait. And then I went, oh no, special trait is a thing you choose as your point. That sucks. It's not great. I would have I would have done that slightly different. It's not like I feel like these characters aren't powerful enough and they desperately need these special traits. Rather, these special traits are one of the things about character creation here that aren't common that are interesting. Yeah. And so I'd be like, don't gate the interesting stuff. The interesting stuff should be front and center and free. Yeah. And some of the drawbacks are like very bad. Yeah. And some of them do not matter. Yeah. Because sometimes, like, if you get marksman, it's like, you get plus two to your gun skill, but minus one to melee and hand-to-hand. I'm like, okay, overall, I got plus zero skill points, and I could have just taken plus two skill points as my point. Yeah. But you look at something like, ah, GI jerk, you get plus one to gun and melee and plus one health, and it's just, if anyone has a lower bulk than you, they are intimidated by you. And do not like you. And I'm like, so? Yeah, I'm I'm, fi- I'm fighting a fucking monster. Who gives a shit? If the fucking nerd doesn't like me, I don't care. Not only do I not care, but that's genre savvy. That's yeah. fine for him to be like, I hate that military muscle head. And you're like, perfect. Great. You've got character development. What a nice idea. This should have been free. Yes. So there you go. And it even the weird thing is it's like, also, don't let your players have one of these special traits until you already know the rules and have played for a while. I'm like, why? They're they're not, very simple. Yeah, it's not like, ooh, this is way too complex. Your mind will shatter at having, I don't know, plus two to grip checks. Yeah. That'll fuck your shit up. Like, the only ones I can see advising that are the, the uh, you get a bulk bonus, but also you always get attacked first, or the one that makes you always attack last. Yeah. Like, that might, people might not quite understand the severity of always getting attacked first in every combat and just being like, ooh, plus two bulk, nice. Um, but beyond that, the rest of them are usually just like, you're great. You're uh, better at one skill and slightly worse at a different skill. Yeah. So convoluted. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> and then once you've done that, you're done. We already told you how to calculate the substats as well. The only one we didn't get into is move, which is just bulk plus coordination. Yeah. And, uh, you, I mean, you also get equipment, which is just whatever you can tell the GM that you should probably have. Yeah. There's a lot of check with the GM stuff in here that feels like it dilutes some of the effects of certain things. Uh, Like we were talking earlier about the, the cut, the powers that every one of the, the choice, the class archetypes has. Yeah. The propeller head is one of the archetypes as well. We mentioned earlier, it's like the hacker gearhead one. Yeah. And it's like, you can make a cool gizmo once per game. You can make a cool gizmo that'll do whatever you need it to. It has a, has a skill of nine on it. So you, you, you know, it's really effect. It's really easy to work. No one else can make it work. That said, it will require both equipment and uh, a building space 
to to uh, construct the item and an amount of time. All three of those things are subject to the entire the GM's discretion. <laughs> and I'm like, that just means they can shut this down. Yeah. That's all that does. Either you can get it done in a reasonable time, or you can't. And if you can't, it's them saying you can't use this. Yeah. And I do want to. <laughs> I mean, I know that it's it's a one shot game, and it's all about horrible monsters trying to murder you but i can't help feel when going through the list of like things you can do and all the skills and whatnot just going man who gives a shit if i can sweet talk there's a monster after me and i can't sweet talk the monster so what the fuck who who cares (laughs) you're just calling out individual skills yeah (laughs) just sometimes i'm like i don't care that's fair i will say at least the fact that they have pared this down to a very small amount of skills is nice. Usually they all do something, so that's good. Yeah. Uh but yeah, just I I don't know. I don't know, man. That's fair. That's fair. It's, it, there's there's a lot of things that I sort of like and a lot of things I don't and it's weird. Yeah, that's that's uh I I was mentioning earlier the strong Christian undertones are kind of annoying when you're making your way through this. When we finish up character creation, how to do it, we get a sample character. I think his name's like Dexter Carson or something like that. Dudley, Carson Dudley. Carson Dudley, who's an average Joe, and he works in a convenience store. And for some reason, a large portion of the... You get a basic how you build a character, and then it's like, this guy picked up Christianity from his family, and now he attends Saturday evening worship at a modern church for Gen X kids. (laughs) Being... It's like, oh, he goes to a Gen X church. I'm like, the fuck is a Gen X church? What are you talking about? Was a pastor come out in a fucking flannel? What? Are you, I, what? I think it's a Starbucks. Yeah, that's the Gen X church. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's just that or like a record store that's still open. Huh? Like Amoeba Records. That's the Gen X church. Yeah, this also, one of the skills is faith. Yes. And you got to have it. You got to have faith. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, I guess it would be nice. <laughs> And faith is one of those skills that is either vitally important to whatever you're dealing with or absolutely useless. But the the thing I was getting to is after we go through this long description of how he found God and attends cool Saturday evening services, uh, there's a part where it's like, he's almost ready to start his adventure, but first he needs to do a quick prayer. Will three plus faith two, five, he rolls a three, success. He's ready to go, having successfully prayed. And I'm like, what did that do? I I mean, we mentioned this before in the Heroic Visions thing, but like having a skill to pray is amazing to me where you can fuck up praying. I mean, it's funny to me because it's not so much this game doesn't actually have a skill for praying. It just has faith. And faith is you can you can use it for things like, oh, I'm trying to power of Christ compels you to get a ghost out of a kid. Yeah. And you can use it to again, you can use it to help heal people who have ba- or, uh, damage to their grip score uh-huh. by being like, hey, put faith in a higher power because. God hey. is real, my dude, and that so are vampires, but God is real. Is <laughs> One of my favorite things in the treatment methods for that was, oh, there's all these different ways you can get your sanity back. One is to use the sweet talk skill. Sometimes all you need is a kind, supportive word from a close friend to convince you that all is not as bad as it seems. Parentheses. Lie. See, I told you, parentheses lie to them is a completely common horror thing. And then the faith one is just use the faith skill to encourage another character or yourself that everything is under control of a higher power and your soul is in good hands. The presence of the Lord can bring peace to a troubled mind. And I kept in my head going parentheses lie. Yeah, right? 
I mean, I, I, it's just funny to me because basically anytime you're, you're doing, oh, I'm, per, I'm a Christian author and I want my book to have a couple of strong Christian undertones in this case throughout, I, I respect that. I think that's great. But I also think it's funny when they don't do the follow-up self-examination where they're like, I'm writing a horror game where slug demons that are 50 feet long are real in the name of Glorthath. And they can they can take over your mind with a look and make you betray your friends. But also, there's a higher power. Okay. Through, through God, all things are good, friend. <laughs> you know, I'm like, then what's up with the giant flame and slug demons? What, what, what's, uh, well, th- did that change the worldview in any way? No, not, not really. <laughs> you know, Noah took two of them onto the ark. There were two of these Glorthaths. <laughs> <laughs> they both had names, unlike all the women on the ark who did not have or need names. No. But, uh, but, but, uh, but yeah, the Glorthaths, they both had names. <laughs> it's just weird. It's just a little weird. Just a Plus, little weird. What happened if he failed at that arbitrary prayer roll? Like, I want to know. Like, I get it. That's completely worthless. That's just an example of how skills work. He's just like, time to do a quick prayer before he starts his adventure for a success. And I'm like, first of all, this dude has a less than 50% chance of successfully praying, which is sad. And, and second, what happens when he fucks up? Does God get mad? Yeah, that is the one thing I will bring up in this is the average, like, role for a person is going to be 50%. Yes. Because you will have a 50-50 shot, basically, of doing anything in this average. That's assuming a three stat and a three skill. And yeah. a two. Three and a two. But that just gives you one, two, three, and four for the and thing. And five. Oh, you really beats, beats it. Uh, it he, okay, then yeah, it's a 50%. Yeah, it's worse when you're trying to hit things, because in the combat section, you have degrees of success yeah but in a general skill role you can as long as you hit the number then you do it all right fair but it's still just like man knowing that i'm going to fail most of the time at most of the things i do half the time but there's gonna be a lot of penalties and you're constantly getting injured or crazy which is going to give you penalties oh yeah because there's a bunch of modifiers for like oh you fight a monster but you're in the dark, so you're minus two to whatever, or you moved this round, minus two. Or the monster's a little spooky. And the, <laughs> I keep wanting to be like, yeah, it's a horror game. You shouldn't, you know, be able to succeed at everything, whatever, and you're disposable. But still, I'm like, yeah, but from a play perspective, if when I sit down, I'm like, I attempt to do a thing. I do not. What a good time I'm having. Mm-hmm. The problem is, I can see that if you were like, I'm trying to affect a monster or do something that involves a monster like or the supernatural. Sure. Yeah, things maybe don't go your way in that scenario. Maybe you're fighting off demons, and sure enough, the door, door doesn't work the way you thought. That's that evil, corrupting, demonic influence. But if you're like, I have to get into this building. I'm going to try and sweet talk that guy. What's your chance? 50%. I, I, oh. All right. Okay. Well, it feels kind of weird that that's the arbitrary thing in this horror movie is whether or not I can sweet talk my way into the warehouse. Uh. But yeah, anyway, um, we then get into combat. As John mentioned a second ago, there are degrees, uh, but initiative is all very simple. Coordination goes for uh, highest coordination goes first. Yep. Uh, and you do all your attacks at once, which means highest coordination really goes first and is really important. Yep. Like I said, you get a number of attacks equal to coordination, and then that's also who goes first and you'll go all at once. So if you're just like, no, I, I definitely put five in coordination and then get a gun and then just murk everyone around me. So that's that's kind of a, a weird problem. 
that they they breeze over by just making it so that the players in the sample combat go first and kill all the monsters. So it looks like it was a good time. Yeah. <laughs> um, but your coordination score determines the number of it. Like, we just went over that. Uh, we also mentioned combat. You roll just like anything else. There's a gun skill and a melee skill. You add them to the rep, uh, requisite stat and roll under that on a 10. If you roll the value, you get a glancing hit. Yep. If you roll, I think, uh, one or two less than the value, you get a partial hit. You don't get a full hit until you're rolling well under the value of what you're trying to roll. Yeah, so if you get it exactly, it's a glancing and your damage, because this has, instead of just numbers of damage, it has, like, degrees of damage. So it starts at, like, light, severe, moderate contusion, which is annoying. Well, contusion isn't even damage. Yeah. But it is just a is, chance to knock someone out. Yeah, but it's still the first step on the damage chart, which is annoying. But, yeah, you've got, uh, for actual damage, light, moderate, severe... R.I.P. is the last one. Yeah, and then lethal, lethal is the last. Lethal and R.I.P., yeah. No, R.I.P. is the damage it deals, because oh, lethal okay. damage deals, uh, you R. die. R.I.P. damage, okay. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, if you hit the target number, then it goes down a level, so if you were like, I was doing moderate, now I'm doing light damage. Mm -hmm. uh, you have to get under half to do a vital area. So if you get below the target number, but not half of it, then you do a solid hit for normal damage. If you get under half whatever your number was, then you increase the damage by one level. Yeah. If you roll a natural one, you get a critical hit because monsters in this have weak spots. And if you get a crit, you have a chance to hit a weak spot. And uh, monsters either will have no weak spot or one that doesn't matter. Because you have to, after rolling a one, they then have to roll over whatever their weak spot chance is for you to do that. So if they're like, oh, my weak spot chance is seven. I have to roll an eight, nine, or ten for you to actually have hit it yeah. after you already got the one. Uh-huh. Uh, but at least you do increase your damage by one level if you don't hit the weak spot. That's correct, yeah. But hitting the weak spot immediately kills the monster. Uh-huh. Or seemingly kills the monster, rather, because this does a lot of that, you know... Is it really dead? You never are supposed to admit to the players that the monster is dead. Yeah. So that's combat. You pretty much open and fire as much as you possibly can with your high coordination value, or you messed up character creation. Yeah. Uh, if a player gets crit, you don't have weak spots. You, however, will take stat damage instead of health damage. Uh-huh. And if your stat ever reaches zero, just like health, you are dead. Note that the highest a stat is going to be is five, and the damage with, like, light, moderate, severe, and so on just goes up by two, so it's like two, four, six, ten, mm -hmm. lethal. So if you hit the third level of damage on someone critting a player, they automatically die. That is correct, yes. <laughs> so that's fun. It's a very lethal game. Yeah. I mean, and it's supposed to be. I yeah. get it. Yeah, that's fine. Um, so at that point, we've got combat established. We, we went over very briefly how to acquire the stats about the vulnerability of a monster. Although, I'm going to be honest, I do not remember how it correlates to the weak point system. It doesn't. It doesn't. It's just the monster has a weakness that isn't their weak point. It's just like, oh, garlic scares vampires or something like that. So you've learned that, and then you can use garlic to brandish at them. Yes. There's also faith combat. Yep. And the... Uh, so, weak point, 
you can crit and try and auto murder a guy. Vulnerability is like, oh, they're fire. They take double damage from fire. Yeah. Uh, if you do faith, then it'll say on the actual monster what a faith roll will do. Because mm-hmm. if it's like a ghost, you might banish it. Weirdly enough, uh, I think like vampires, you can hurt them with faith or. Yeah. It's just well, it's because crosses work on vampires. So, yeah. so that means you can do. Because there are three types of. You probably already mentioned this. There are three types of faith combat that you can do. Well, yeah, you can either banish them, make them run away, or hurt them. Yes, that's holy terror, and I think that's the one that works on vampires. Yeah. Because you can scare them away with crosses. Mm-hmm. But ghosts are usually, like, banished, and, and hurting is, is, I guess, demons and stuff. I guess. Yeah. Um, then, when we're done with that, we've got faith combat worked out. That's so you can play as things like nuns and exorcists and so on, who just scare people with with uh, with holy symbols and so and such. We get into the big GM section of the book. Yeah, there's... Oh, there's chase rules, but... Oh, yeah, whatever. Skip. <laughs> stuff, about, <laughs> stuff about vehicles, don't care. I like that even at the start of the vehicle combat section, it's like, look, you can let your players do this if they really want, but monsters don't give a fuck. They're not, they're just going to slowly pursue them. So they'll let them drive away and then just show up at whatever dumb farmhouse they try to hide in. Yeah. The one thing that's good with vehicles is ramming someone with your vehicle because it will do nonsense levels of damage. Yeah. Yeah. It's huge. It'll also probably kill you. Yeah. There's (laughs) that too. But yeah, you're going to die anyway. Yeah. It doesn't matter. (laughs) Uh, If you already waited a day to summon the Wienermobile, then you should, you deserve to run into the skeleton warrior with it or whatever. I do want to mention the charts for rolling a one is for literally everything. Yes. This includes skills and combat and grip checks and anything you do has a full ass chart of you rolled a one and so stuff happens. And this includes things like in skills, you're like, oh, you screwed up and everyone laughs at you and points. I'm like, God, don't fucking. What are you There's talking so about? There's so much of that in this book, though. That's the thing. The GM section has a lot of neat ideas for for modes that you could play this game in like see you can finish the game alive but with the most stupid points yeah or you know um you're actually playing slightly pvp because your luck and second chance points aren't used to help you they're used to hinder someone else you're still on the same side as them but narratively you want to be the only person who makes it across the finish line yeah the the one where it is last man standing as a way to play this where it's you play and you only win the game if you are the only survivor. Yeah. And I was like, that's interesting. And then they have one where it's like the bad apple where you go, oh, one of you is secretly the actual bad guy for this. Mm -hmm. And the one that I thought was the goofiest, which is go back and forth between the PVP and not PVP version where you go, all right, every time you do something, you go, all right, uh, it's the full PvP. You use your points to try and mess someone else up. And then you'll just call out, all right, now we're not doing that anymore. Now your points are all to help people, and you'll fail if everyone dies. Yeah. Okay, now you'll win if everyone else dies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a bunch of advice that's, you know, come, some of it seems kind of fun, but a lot of it feels either a little too edgy slash sarcastic slash cool or just not functional. I mean... There are a couple really interesting and sure. fun things in this section that I liked. Yeah. Uh, one of them I like is the deadlines uh, rule, which is just if you want to 
force like some narrative tension and drama into things, just get like an egg timer out and go, all right, you got 15 minutes until a thing happens. You figure it out. Go. Yeah, which is funny because that's at the second paragraph of a section of how to use time to mess with your, your players, of which the first paragraph is the stupidest idea in the world. <laughs> yeah, the panic rolls. The panic roll, which is like, oh, your players seem like they might be slightly distracted or their hands are busy eating food or something. Call for a roll immediately and then count down from three. And if they don't roll in time, they have to make a sanity check or lose a bunch of grip. And they don't get to do the thing. They automatically fail. Count fast. It actually says count fast. I'm not just being hyperbolic. Yeah. And you're like, don't, don't. Why would you stress out your players on the, on like a nice night? You're having a fun time with your friends. <laughs> don't, don't do that. You can scare them with the game or allow them to buy into being scared and act. Because, my dear boy, why not try acting? <laughs> Uh, there's also this mechanic called the plot pusher yes which is infuriating because it's just a lot of bad shit starts to happen because you're trying to move the game along well yeah because it's basically there to go if your players either can't figure out what to do or they're just like oh we figured out that whatever is the monster and we all just left town and went to a hotel and sit in there Mm -hmm. and don't deal with it you're like okay you can do a plot pusher and either a player can call for one or you can call for it. Yeah. And the player calling for one is interesting because it's like when a plot pusher happens, bad stuff happens. Like the monster shows up, nonsense goes wrong, some sort of catastrophe happens. It says specifically at least one player should die. Yeah. Which I'm like, that's stupid. Uh, and like I first, said, I hated it. No, especially because I liked it if you ignore that one sentence. Because <laughs> it's like, oh, whoever called for it should probably die. I'm like, then no one calls for it. This is stupid. The whole point of this is to go, ah, oh, we're stuck. We don't. You've given us a weird monster that's like, ah, oh, people are disappearing from town and we found a body that has a weird bite on its foot. You're like, all right, I don't know. We failed our science check. I don't know what the fuck this is. We've wandered around town. We don't know what to do. We're at loose ends. Plot pusher. Bring out the giant scorpions that are doing this or whatever. And the fact that it's like, there's no real narrative to what's happening. It's just bad shit starts happening. The plot starts moving and it gets you, which is, you know, fine. I just feel like it needs more structure beyond you should kill someone. <laughs> yes, that is. Like I said, I like the plot pusher as an idea of just allowing any of your players to go, hey, can we move this along? Yeah. Is a good idea. Because it allows you to notify a GM that, like, look, Barry, we don't know what the fuck is happening. Can you please just, like, spoon feed us the next part of this story? Yeah, this is some fucking Season of the Witch shit. This is too convoluted. Can we move along to the part with the masks? <laughs> yeah. And then that, at least, though, when you say, like, oh, I'm going to call for a plot pusher, instead of having to go, my dude, fucking get on with it, you can just say, I want a plot pusher. And it sort of divorces that from having to tell your friend that they are fucking up. Yeah. And that's nice. And I like that. But on the other hand, the fact that it's like, here's a cool idea. You should use it to punish whoever asks for it. I'm like, no. Or someone. No. You're supposed to reward the person who asked for it. No, the person person who asked for it should die. Well, it's a bit of that. It says someone should die. Often the person who calls for the plot pusher in the first place. Also, the person who calls for the plot pusher gets a stupid point. Yes. Which is very dumb. Be like, (laughs) You called for a plot push, you get a stupid things point. Also, I should murder you, so it doesn't matter that I gave you that. I know. I'm just, it, it, they, they technically get a reward before they potentially get narratively killed off. 
Yeah. It's uh, it, I, I'm like I said, I'm not a fan. I feel like a lot of the things in this game, I like the concept, and then the execution is too edgy for you. Yeah, like I, I mean, like I said, it it's a good idea. It comes right up to the edge of the line of what a good game, and then gleefully runs away, away going haha, and then punish anyone who asks for it. Yeah. Tee. Like I can't even tell you how many. This book's really short. I still can't tell you how many times there's like, look at your players with an evil grin and roll dice that don't mean anything advice. Oh, when you're having a character go through a a town or something's weird, you should probably give them an evil wink and go, you don't think anything's wrong. Mm -hmm. Like, come on, guys. Everyone you're playing with has read a fucking RPG at some point in their life, and that advice is not rare. You gotta stop it. You, everyone's going to be like, you're rolling dice for no reason, aren't you, Barry? We all know you're rolling dice for no reason. Come on. Maybe. Oh. oh, roll, roll. Interesting. Mm. I'll note that for later. Okay. No one believes you. Great. I'm sure you will. <laughs> we call for four plot pushers and some pizza. <laughs> uh. There's even a part in this bank game where it's, it, it gets into the advice about how to deal with player death, and it's like, there should always be a dramatic way you deal with player death. For example, rip the character sheet from their hand and dramatically tear it in two, or throw it in fire, or or, or well, scroll. yes, it's it's supposed to be how did they die? Destroy the character sheet in that way. Yeah. So if they got burned up, burn the character sheet, or place it in a special file you have and say you don't think you've seen the last of this one. And I'm like, dude, what is this fucking stage magic? Just. <laughs> Now I want you to check underneath your seat. Is that your old character? <laughs> uh, it's just that too much of the advice is, you know, like that. <laughs> but then you get other times where you're like, oh, we've got the style of play for like when you have the point of no return where you can't make new characters again and always communicate that to your players so that they know like, oh, this is the point like in the plot where... You're not going to be able to come back. This is the climax. So it will build tension so they know that if they die now, it's permanent. Like, good. Great advice. Communicating when a thing is going to happen is good to your players. Another bit of advice was never admit that you're wrong on anything, which is kind of, it's a mix between funny and stupid. Because it's kind of like, oh, if players point out that like, oh, you said that the first floor was all living quarters and the second floor had a, a spa on it. And now you're saying we're on a second floor apartment? What? And you're supposed to just go, yeah, that's weird, isn't it? Huh. As if like you're making some sort of dramatic reveal or, or creating a secret mystery. It's going to work once. And then the, the second time you do it, they're going to be like, oh, you read that in the book, didn't you? That's dumb, Barry. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, it starts with like, yeah, man, don't worry about it. Cheesy, shitty horror films have a lot of weird inaccuracies just embrace it but then again it's like yeah that's fine embrace that but then it's like ooh, and then wink at them and go yeah you think that's kind of weird don't you Mm -hmm. roll some dice no don't fuck god damn it you started off so fine exactly you fucked it up if you had been like yeah that's another one of them plot plot continuity errors because this is a horror movie from 1981 then yeah sure everyone be like yeah i'm on board with that yeah also, there's a cigarette burn that happens in the corner, and then the VHS rips a little, and you're in a different scene. Fine. Do that. We did shot reverse shot, but the soda can wasn't sitting on top of the paper towel dispenser in the second shot. Where'd that paper towel can go? Oh, uh, that is weird, you think. Mm. <laughs> Maybe file that information away for later. No, it's more fun if it's an editing error. Yeah. It's fine if you just admit, oh, yeah, that's weird. 
No, the, the movie fucked up. You don't need to be the mysterious gnomic shaman. You could be like, we're playing through a horror movie, guys. Horror movies have shit for budgets. Yeah, Literal fine. shit. They get big handfuls of turds. So many turds. <laughs> How am I going to make this movie with a handful of turds? I guess I'll trade enough of them for a mirror, and then we'll make the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> Whew. Still mad about the mirror. I know you're still mad about the mirror. <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> about the mirror? Yes. Okay. Uh, so there you go. That's, there's an adventure towards the back in which you have to rescue a sexy lady. Cause all the female NPCs in this game get a part about how they're perky or shapely or something. Yeah. Um, and you got to fight a werewolf in the woods and the werewolf has like Ed Grimley hair. It's very, all the werewolves in this have like center part, stupid hair with a, with a spike up the back. Mm. I'm not sure what the deal was with that. They all look like alfalfa. <laughs> there's only two drawings of werewolves. So it's just weird that it happened twice. <laughs> I mean, the werewolves in here have that that super good middle part. Yeah, they got that middle part. And it's it's odd. It's odd to see like some mid-90s Jonathan Taylor Thomas hair on a werewolf. Especially because at least on a Jonathan Taylor Thomas or name your 90s man of choice. I could, I could definitely see that on a Jonathan Brandis as well. Yeah. Uh, you're, it flops down to the sides, but on the werewolf, it always ends and there's still more werewolf sticking vertically out on either side. Yeah, it's like, oh, this would be enough hair for a person, but then they're a big wolf man, so it just hits their giant wolf ears. Yeah, it's like you took uh, like a Jonathan Taylor Thomas wig and stuck it on the top of Flat Top from Dick Tracy. <laughs> it just sits up there, all of it. It's a weird look. It's a weird choice artistically. Hmm. Anyway, you want to get into your favorites and least favorites? Sure, why not? What's your favorite thing about uh, horror rules? I, a simply horrible role-playing game. I think the best thing in this is I like the deadlines thing. I like being able to go like, hey, you've got, you know, five minutes, ten minutes, whatever, and set a timer for it and just be like, hey, after this, nonsense will happen one way or the other but you've got this much real time to do something. Yeah. And that is a good way to be like, hey, I want to engage my players in what's happening and have them have like a sense of urgency. Great. And it doesn't involve lying to them or being a snarky asshole. Mm -hmm. So that is my favorite thing in this. Sure. What is yours? Uh, probably the stupid points. Sure. I feel like they're they're not well executed. Like they shouldn't be a three to one conversion into luck and second chance points because you're going to die before you get three of them. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, but I like the concept of being like, hey, if you're willing to just move the plot along in the way that a horror movie character would, like, if you're like, if you're willing to buy in. Yeah. If you're like, guys, I'll go check the basement alone, then you're playing to the strengths of a horror movie. That's great. Good for you. Uh, you shouldn't you, you shouldn't be punished. You should be re rewarded because you're playing narratively correctly. So it's neat that there's a reward. That said, I don't know that it necessarily accomplishes the reward effect fast enough for it to feel like you actually got anything. Yeah. Given that you are essentially going, yeah, I'm fine with getting murdered. Yeah. Is <laughs> like you would have to very quickly know your GM because if you're like, oh, I'll. That sounds cool. I get stupid things points. Oh, I'll, I'll go off on my own into the woods. And if your GM is the type of person who's like, yes, it's very spooky. And then you hear a noise from the bush and a deer jumps out. You can rejoin your friends and you get a stupid thing point. You'd be like, oh, okay. But if the Lose GM is the type of person who's yeah. like, oh, did you go by yourself? You're immediately murdered by an axe guy. Idiot. <laughs> Which is funny because stupid thing points by themselves suggest that you should be trying to run this game in the former model, right? Where you're yeah. like, 
Like, yeah, you get rewarded for being stupid because you're, you're moving the plot for everybody. You're actually doing the genre convention. But then all the description and, write, and advice in this book is like, only an idiot would check the body of a dead monster. If anyone does that, give them a stupid point and a giant gaping hole in their stomach that their organs fall out of and steam on the ground. And you're like, then why give them the point? Yeah, it, it's, uh, it's running at cross purposes, but I like the concept of the first half of what stupid points are. Yep. Favorite thing. What's your least favorite thing? Oh boy, my least favorite thing. I, all the damn vampires, fucking vamp, all these motherfucking snakes. <laughs> <laughs> I think probably my least favorite thing is going to be the advice section part where it's like, and make sure that you do dumb shit and lie to your players and constantly make little rolls and then murder them like okay it's a horror game yeah murder them but you don't they should have bought onto that you when you explained the game to them like hey we're gonna play a horror game and you're gonna have like a stack of characters that you play and life is gonna be cheap because you know some monster's gonna come out and slash your character and you'll go down in a gribbly mess and then you'll play someone else sure fine but when it's like and then make them feel bad about it and giggle and cavort i'm like Man, I don't need to be the Joker, my man. It's fine. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> the book's got that tone problem where it's like, you should be, like, it opened, there's a sentence at the start of the the uh, game running section that's like, hey, in this game, you're the enemy of the players. You need to try and kill them and stuff. This is not D&D, which is, you know, fair. That's fair advice. Sure. There, it works in games where you give the players enough tools that that's fine. Yeah. And here you have that problem where it's like, yeah, you're supposed to just take over another NPC. Unless you're playing one of, one of, only if you're playing one game mode. There are 30 of the game modes. Four of them are, are related to how many players can your player, or characters can your players have? And all the answers are like two. Hmm. Or they can take over if there's an interesting NPC. Or none. Or that mode we were talking about earlier. If you die, make another guy and throw him in the game. Who cares? Yeah. And you're like, there are too many modes where you don't for a game where you're supposed to be gleefully getting killed all the time. Fuck. Uh, and I, I just, it just doesn't add up. Like the whole thing doesn't gel. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Was uh, that your least favorite thing no, as well? Or? I, I don't know that I'm necessarily just going to straight up agree. I, I feel like this is one of those games where if I was still allowed to say it, I'd say the tone because all that snark just drives me insane. Oh, for sure. Um, I knew the second I started reading this, I was like, oh, this is, this is Jeff's anathema. The second someone's like, Hey there, bucko. When a player does a thing, you got to show them who's the head honcho. You're like, nope, you fucked up. <laughs> Use the whole hog on this one. You're like, Ugh, why? Because probably, and I'll tell you, you know, I'll just say it. That's that's my least favorite thing here. And uh, a, a lot of it has to do with buy-in. Yeah. I, I don't need my DM to be a mean trickster to enjoy an evening of horror gaming. Yes. I am willing to pretend to be scared if the genre calls for me to pretend to be scared. Yeah. Because I am a player and I am willing to play. You don't have to trick me. You don't have to be like, you're likely to survive this game. Spoiler alert. No, he isn't. Like, why? If you tell me straight up at the start of the night, hey, this is a horror movie game. You're probably going to die. I'll be like, cool. I'm going to make it look good. Yeah. I'm going to go out in a genre appropriate way. Yeah. So... For me, it's definitely that, because this game assumes that your players won't buy in. Yeah. Which is like, if they're not gonna, this isn't the right game. True. If you're like, ah, you're gonna force this game on people who don't want to play horror, and here are all of the ways you'll force them to play to your 
tune. And keep in mind, they're going to hate it, and you're going to love that they hate it. You have to punish them more if it seems like they hate it. <laughs> if anyone's looking at their phone, yell for a panic roll. And you're like, no, they're probably looking at their phone because they hate your shitty game and how you keep smirking at them and going, yeah, that seems weird, doesn't it? Are you sure? Yeah, exactly. So... But, you know, th th this is never a good way to to foster buy in and play. Yeah. Uh, the best way to do it is to write something interesting and then present people with the reason that it's interesting. Yeah, that's the best way to do it. I'm just saying that's how I'd do it. <laughs> if I was making a game, it'd be perfect and great. It'd be great. It'd be the perfect game. I'm not. Cause I'm not going to. I don't want to ruin the market for all the game designers out there in the world who can't quite get to that level of Nirvana like like, you know, like we can. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we we've ascended and we no longer need to make an, a role-playing game because we already know how to make the perfect one so why would we yeah you know but but that said if you want the perfect role-playing game obviously vote for us in because <laughs> we're mayor. holding for mayor for mayor of perfect role-playing games <laughs> here in perfect role-playing games i'm tough on crime mm -hmm. and we do have a plan a secret plan that we will only unveil if we're elected <laughs> otherwise it goes back in the lockbox uh, it seems like maybe some campaign funds are missing. Yes, that seems weird, doesn't it? Wink. Roll some dice. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> Would you play this? Uh, you know what? I might, if someone was like, hey, I'm going to do a one shot of this game. I'd be like, yeah, fuck it. Why not? Sure. I like a couple of the modes. I like the one where it's like, oh, someone is the star of the horror film, you're the named actor who's in here, and you lose the game if the star dies, so everyone is there to try and make sure that this person stays alive, yeah. and having a full comedy of errors of people just being like, oh no, and then diving in front of damage. Like the Saving Private Ryan system, where you're like, we gotta keep this one soldier alive. We're doing to keep these other soldiers alive? No, n none of them have three dead brothers. <laughs> it's yeah, as soon as they die and two more of their brothers die, then that brother will be fine. Yeah. But right now, we don't care. <laughs> so yeah, that that mode is fun. I would do that. I would I would like to play around with some stupid horror stuff. And like I said, this does have enough decent ideas that it almost approaches fine. Mm -hmm. So sure, I'd play it. Yeah. Um, I would not normally choose to play this. I think the best faint praise I can provide here is if I rolled this as the random game that we are running at one of those conventions where we run a random game, I would not be that upset. Yeah. Because the rules make sense and are fairly simple. Yeah. So, with, because you have to make a bunch of characters, you can get through character creation fairly quickly. Yeah. So in terms of feeling like if I were to encounter this game in the wild, I wouldn't be like, ah, it's, I, it takes forever to make a character and the, and the, the combat system sucks. Actually, the combat system sucks. But but uh, at least I wouldn't be like, no, I can't even remember how to play it. Like, I'll remember this. Hmm. And if I have to play it later, that'll be fine. But I wouldn't choose to. Great. All right. There you go. There it is. Uh, and if you want to see how easy it is to get their character creation, why not stop on by our Patreon, where we will be making characters in this game for the amusement of the few, the proud, the $2 giving to users. Hooray! Give me $2. Patreon.com slash System Master. There are a number of levels available for your pledges to come along and help keep us doing what we do. It'll be great. It'll be great. Yeah, we'll, we'll have characters. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about we'll them. We'll have cake. You can't have it, but we'll have cake. 
Yes, and it will be moist and delicious. Mm -hmm. Hello, welcome. It's the early 2000s. (laughs) It's 2003, and we are ready with some of the cake is a lie type jokes. (laughs) I wish there was a way to find out where all the gamers and geeks are at this party. (laughs) Cake jokes. They're not just for asexuals yet. (laughs) Uh, Well, I forget when that specifically happened, but... I didn't know that that had happened. Oh, yeah. There was a a brief period where uh, the cake jokes got largely subsumed by the ace community. Okay. Um, I I assume because cake is better than sex or something like that was the basic concept. But I don't remember if it happened before or after the cake is a lie and that that one webcomic. I have no idea. Meh. And I will never know. My cake timeline is not perfect. I apologize. But it (laughs) will be. If you see on my cake timeline, here's the birth of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Now, (laughs) Mm -hmm. moving along, you then hit portal <laughs> okay you also don't forget to put in a spot for under siege where i think it's kim cattrall or whoever comes bursting out of that cake out of a cake is it donna dierico who comes I don't bursting know. out of that cake in under siege i haven't seen under siege <laughs> until i roll that for movie mastery i won't see under siege ah okay fair enough <laughs> probably no, kim is. cattrall was mannequin i think it's donna dierico <laughs> It's important that we know that on air. We gotta look it up right now. I'm not. Hold on, hold on. Uh, I'm not even looking towards my computer. Siege. Uh, uh. Let's see. Cast character. Uh-huh, yeah, I want to hear this. Uh-huh, uh-huh, this is definitely uh-huh. part of our Patreon pitch. Uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. folks. This is what the pa- this is why you got to come support us on the Patreon, <laughs> so we can afford the internet to ruin our own bits. <laughs> Please. Too many of our bits are escaping successfully these days without us stopping them to Google who was in Under Siege. Won't you help? Erica Aleniak? Oh, Erica Aleniak, the Donna D'Erico of starting with ease. <laughs> yeah, when you go through that double letter Peter Parker level name. Exactly. Donna D'Erico, Erica Aleniak, uh, Francis Ford Foppola. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think we can end it on Francis Ford Foppola. <laughs> Please support us. Patreon.com slash System Mastery. Have a good one. 